0: I want to have a deep voice off between him and the guy that sings for crash test dummies. <laughs> it was not that well received when it came out no, critically no, anyway. No. But over the years, Oh, it didn't make a lot of money people either. People have really given that a second thought and, and they it, should. And they should and it's really a favorite. And sometimes he dubbed all the voices including women's parts.
1: How I <laughs>
0: So, how did that election thing turn out? Uh, <laughs> by the time we're recording this, it's the night before, and uh, maybe we'll be happy tomorrow, maybe we won't. But we've already decided we're just gonna unplug. Yes, right? we're, we're not. not even gonna.
1: No, I'm I'm anxious even thinking about it now. So we're I am yeah. Too. No. I am
0: we're too. we're gonna but... just
1: pretend we live on a whole other planet all of tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So. We're going to just, yeah, we're going to be happy tonight,
0: and hopefully we'll be happy tomorrow as well. But we're always happy when we're talking about the horror films, and that's what we do here on the Fright Club podcast. And welcome to it. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. This is Fright Club, and we want to say thank you, big thank you. Last time it was a bonus episode with a bonus special guest that uh, I want to say, I don't want to say we fell into it. We were hoping it would happen and it did happen.
1: Yeah. Jason Tostavan, who is the co-founder and programmer for Nightmares Film Festival, asked us if we would mind doing a QA with Natalie Erica James, who directed Relic. Uh, And she was going to talk about making the leap from short films to feature films. And, uh, man, it was just great. She had such great insight, and we got such good questions. Yeah, she was great.
0: We loved doing it. And it was perfect because we had been trying to find a way over the last few years to record a podcast during Nightmares Film Festival. And this year, of course, it was virtual. But it gave us a chance to do that. Yep. So Jason got us the audio, and boom, it is done. So thank you. Had a lot of great, I mean, great reaction. I looked at some of the download numbers, yeah. so I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Hey, Natalie, can you come on every, <laughs> every time? Because <laughs> that, that was really, uh, really well received. And I'm not surprised. No. Because especially for filmmakers or anybody interested in really the nuts and bolts, how how you go through the business, how you move up. She had some some great in, insight, and she was just fun and, and, yeah. and a lot of... Yeah, and
1: it's a great movie. If you haven't seen Relic, oh, yeah. you should definitely check it out. And, and also the short. Is it on YouTube? Yeah, I don't know. The short
0: is called Creswick. Yeah, it's great the as well. The short that was sort of the proof of concept mm-hmm. for Relic. It's fantastic, so check that out as well. So thank you to Natalie, and thank you to everybody, especially Jason at Nightmares Film Festival. By the way, filmmakers... Submissions for 2021 are open now. That's right. Get on
1: it. Find them at Film Freeway and submit because it really is. And you, I mean, ask anybody. It yeah. is among the very best film festivals that you can attend. Oh, that you can certainly have best. your work. And we are so honored yeah. that they played our short film Godspeed. Yes, we that are.
0: Was, what and we and we got a lot of of nice feedback on that as we well. We did.
1: We did. It was the it was the world premiere of it. So it yeah. was the first time anybody saw it. So we so, were. At least one of us more than the other nervous
0: <laughs> about how
1: people would respond. But it was, yeah, it yeah, was- it was so
0: nice. We got a lot of um, the. Dread Central, um, Daniel Baldwin, a Morbidly Beautiful, had some really nice things to say. So uh, it got so much coverage, the festival in general. Right. And some of the writers that, that singled out Godspeed was, well, just really appreciated. Yes,
1: so. very much. If you, by chance, missed Godspeed, however, you will get another chance because we're very excited to say that the UK Film Review Festival is going to screen it between the weekend of November th- 13th through the 15th. It's another virtual fest, so you can see it the whole time. And on the 15th, they're going to do a QA with me. What? I know, and it's funny. When when he asked, it took me like 30 seconds to realize I'm the A part, because I'm usually <laughs> the Q part. I do a lot of interviews and QAs with other people, but right. it's, it, this is maybe the first time that I've been the A part of it, so wow. I'm excited.
0: Wow, it's like going into some time loop thing. <laughs> no, that's very cool. That's great. Looking forward to that. As well, so um, that was a kick. Now we move back to. We're probably going to do another Fright Club at some point through Streamyard. Yeah. Uh, because right now it's up in the air about going back live to the Gateway Film Center, which we did two two podcasts ago, which was fun. Don't know if we're going to get back there anytime soon. So we'll get to that in the future. But tonight we're back in the studio and uh, we're talking about voices.
1: That's right. Kind of inspired by you, George. Uh, a
0: lot, all, everybody on this list blows me out of the water. <laughs> let me tell you what. But this is this is a lot of fun to talk to and it's been a lot of fun to do some research on because it's not so much talking about the film specifically as the
1: people. Right. And I thought that it would be a fun one. And and it's always uh, it's always, I think, uh, a good time every once in a while. And when we can sort of make a hard left and do that, we're not talking about five specific films, but instead we're talking about something else. And so I I thought this was going to be a good one.
0: And these are all great. My Lord, the voices here. I think number one was probably, at least for me, cut and dried. Right. But the, the rest, you could just put them in all tied for, for number two, you could. <laughs> I think, because they're fantastic. So um, we'll start at number five, and this is from 1973. A classic and a classic performer. What a voice. William Marshall Blackula.
2: Slavery has merit, I believe. Merit? You find merit in barbarity? Barbarous from the standpoint of a slave, perhaps. Intriguing and delightful from mine. I would willingly pay for so beautiful an addition to my household as your delicious wife. Sir, are you ill? Oh, I meant no insult, Prince. It is a compliment for a man of my station to look with desire on one of your color. Sir, so I certainly find your cognac as distasteful as your manner. You're behaving like some animal. Really? Really?
0: Boy, I tell you, you talk about elections and politicians, that's a guy... If I didn't know him from Adam and I just heard him speak, I'm voting for you.
1: You know, it's funny that you say that. He's not. William Marshall, of course, he's mostly known for Blackula and then also Scream, Blackula, Scream. He was late. If you're much, much younger, you might only know him as the king of cartoons. Uh, I was going to say, and <laughs> and
0: king of cartoons. But Pee-wee. the thing
1: about him, and it's not just his voice, it's really just his swagger, I think. you can't, well,
0: his, his air. You his can't air
1: imagine of- William Marshall playing like, you know. Bard patron number three, you know, it's like he's got to be an aristocrat or yeah. royalty or just he, he the just, boss. He's, he's just, the guy who tells you what to do. He
0: oozes dignity. He does. He as, as Authority. The, and that clip I played from uh, Blackula, we just heard about him talking to Count Dracula uh, before things get really uh, involved. Count Dracula should back down just because he has such a better voice <laughs> than you do when you're kind of throwing shade at each other. But, yeah, such an air of dignity in all of his roles, and that is a fantastic, fantastic voice. And we talked a, about a little bit about this when we, had, when we did the um, best black characters right. in horror. I found a great interview clip with William Marshall back when he was talking about how he approached the character, and he had certain demands about the character if he was going to play it. The it's character's amazing.
2: name was... Um, Andrew Brown, when they handed me the script. And Andrew Brown, as you may know, is a character in uh, uh, Amos and Andy of ages ago. There was something of a resentment on the part of many producers who uh, sensed this outcry mm-hmm. and didn't want our voices to ring resonantly about and create a, a new kind of genre. So they said, You need to have a property that will be of interest to your target organ. So he's got to be meaningful. He's got to, when he becomes a vampire, he is no longer useful to his people. So he sets out from Africa, as I see it, trying to do something about putting an end to the slave trade. It's a vile, vulgar thing. That's his mission.
1: And it's funny that I imagine when William Marshall makes a demand... Made a demand. You just you just said yes. I just, well, it's just so it's so hard for me to imagine him talking to somebody in that voice, and then anybody being like, "Nah, I don't think so." Well,
0: and his ideas were so spot on. Oh yeah, much like another of the voices, another another character we're going to get to a little bit later. You you give him that backstory, it just improves the character so much.
1: Yeah, and you know, I don't think it's a surprise. Uh, that he did a lot of stage work as well. I oh, mean yeah. he's because he has that project, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He's projecting. And and I and I think, you know, you and I have talked a lot over the years about voice work, like in animation, mm-hmm. and how some people just don't have it, and you expect them to have it. A lot of times it would be, for us, it would be over the years, uh, people who were going to guest star on The Simpsons. Right. You know, and they were like, ooh, that's going to be so much fun, and then you have them on and think, nah, they just don't, they just no. don't have it. They don't know how it's to a perform yes. with their voices, exactly. but man, William Marshall did.
0: Yeah, it is very much a talent. Even if you have a great voice, you just can't show up and do, and do voice work and make it just automatically uh, be effective. No, it's definitely, definitely a, a separate talent as well. But he has got it for sure, the effortlessly majestic William Marshall, and mainly known from Blackula, 1973, and, of course, King of Cartoons. And he brought a great presence to that he as well. He did. I mean, come on. No, he absolutely did. Walked in the room and just owned it, Pee Wee. So that is number five. On, oh, you know what? We have, before we move on, we, we do have some runners-up. We we, do. we usually talk about the runners up before we get into the main countdown, but what the heck, we forgot. So let's before <laughs> <laughs> let's do them uh now before we move up to number four. And we got some great runners up starting just a few years ago. One of the deepest voices ever, probably, Ralph Einerson from The Witch. Let's leave for
1: the fort. Oh my god. Wow. So great. So you know, if you look at the rest of his career, I always he plays he always plays like these craggly, creepy sort of motorcycle. Bar guys, that, mm-hmm. you know, and I always just think, no, you've you've niched him wrong. <laughs> Listen to him talk. Oh I, my god, such a voice. I
0: want to have a deep voice off between him and the guy that sings for Crash Test Dummies. <laughs> <laughs> just have to see what uh, what notes they can hit because those two, yeah, it's an incredible voice.
1: It is, you know, and it's an interesting thing. One of the things that that uh, you know, when you finally find out whether or not Black Philip has a voice. I thought to myself, now that had to be a challenge because yeah. you've already got a good voice too. this just magnificent, you know, you think, well, what direction are you going to go? But I did. I like the direction that they took with uh, with Black Phillip. Well,
0: and his speaking is so much different. It's so hushed. And every little linguistic sound is accentuated.
1: Yeah.
3: What's thou like to live
0: deliciously? Yeah, he's got a great voice as well. He does. Uh, So Ralph Einerson, and also we'll go to, let's go back a ways to 1971, Delphine Seyrig from Daughters of Darkness.
3: Ha, revolting it may be, but then things were slightly different in those days. A holy king of France, even a pope, drank blood to stay young and
1: healthy. (laughs) Just dripped. You know what I mean? Just dripped elegance and seduction and also a little bit of evil, but the kind of evil that you almost want to go along with because she's completely convinced you, darling. Little touch of evil.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also from the 70s, 1974, Black Christmas, Nick Mancuso. Let me-
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's something to be said for somebody uh, who, a performer who is relying exclusively on their voice, Mm -hmm. right? Nick Mancuso is not actually physically in this film, but I feel like Black Christmas, I mean, that was a groundbreaking film. Sort of like the ring in that videotape, as you always bring up, (laughs) right? When you get to the actual phone calls, if there's nothing creepy about those phone calls, the entire film falls apart. And, man, because of Nick, it is. They are creepy phone calls, and you just want to get them off the phone as fast as possible. Yeah, absolutely right.
0: And then 1993, this this movie has a few cool voices, but... Teresa Wright from Exorcist 3.
1: You and I have talked about this one scene many times. Now, everybody knows the one scene from The Exorcist 3 that is going to make you just jump out of your seat, and that's the creepy guy in the hall. I know. The one that kills me is the woman in the confessional. Yeah. Um, That voice is so horrifying, so demonic and terrifying, and always has been since I was the first time I saw it. The first was
3: that waitress uh, near Candlestick Park. I cut her throat and watched her bleed. She bled a great deal. It's a problem that I'm working on, Father. All this bleeding.
1: That's who that is. Teresa Wright. And, you yeah. know, she's got some big shoes to fill because she's more or less, you know, filling in for sort of the the voice that you're so familiar with from the original. It's a, a riff on that idea. A creepy, older woman kind of a yeah. voice. But, oh, my God, she terrified me. It's
0: been interesting to me to see over the last several years how Exorcist 3, sort of like The Thing... Has just risen in everybody's estimation because yes. if you look back, it was not that well received when it came out no. critically anyway. No. no, but over the years, oh,
1: it didn't make a lot of money either. People
0: have really given that a second thought, and, and they it, should. And they should. And it's really a favorite. So, uh, yeah, Teresa Wright from Exorcist Three. So those are a few runners up. Love those voices, but didn't quite crack the uh, crack the countdown. So let's get back at it. Uh, number four. Well, speaking of the thing, this is timely from 1982. Of course, it's Keith David. If you're worried about me.
3: If we've got any surprises for each other, I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Well, what do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while, see what happens.
1: Keith David has 324 acting credits. Whoa. And I imagine his voice is impressive all 324 times.
0: Yeah, but now does that include just voice work? Because he's got a ton of just voice work as well. It does include that, yeah. Okay, Okay, so that's both on screen and voice work Mm -hmm. because he has done so many. He's gotten three Emmys just for his voice work alone. And then he's done incredible uh, games and animated mm-hmm. uh, animated projects and oh, on yeah. and on and on. And he's also, taken a listen to this, he's also a singer.
2: I just found out about love and I like it. I like it. I like what love has been doing to me.
0: That's awesome. That's Keith David doing a little Nat King Cole. Nice. And he also does, I didn't know this, where can I see this show? He does a show about blues singer Joe Williams. Now you know how much of a fan of Joe Williams I, I am. I do
1: know. I do know that. I know that I had never heard of him in my whole life, and you were flabbergasted by that, and you made me sit down and listen to a whole bunch of Joe Williams.
0: Love Joe Williams. If I if ever see that he's doing that show, oh, yeah. we're going. We're going. That one is fantastic because a fantastic singing voice. He's great. And that remember, remember when he came to town? He came to town years ago. This is such a funny story. And he did a show. He was doing. I think a, it was a Nat King Cole show. A tour. Well, okay. And that's back when we were writing for the paper. And our editor was assigned to do a story, do an interview with him, you know, to promote the show. And our editor got the timing wrong and didn't, I think he didn't take into account the time change mm-hmm. because Keith David was probably on the West Coast. So he called him like the crack of dawn. <laughs> and Keith David was not happy about it. <laughs> Yeah, but he did the interview anyway, um, and it was probably glad that it was print. You wouldn't want it recorded <laughs> because uh, he was he was none too happy about it. But, yeah, what a voice, not just from the thing, but like you just said, in every, yeah. every single mm-hmm. project that he's done. And, of course, even though the movie's not very good, he's got that line, that great line from <laughs> Men at Work. Oh, somebody threw away a perfectly good white boy. <laughs> I was waiting for you. I was waiting for you with that line. That movie, it has some funny lines.
1: Oh, my God, it, it does. It really does.
0: Anyway, but yeah, so he's great. And uh, Keith, you got to bring that, that Joe Williams show to town. <laughs> Man, just found out about that. I want to see that. So that's number four, the great Keith David, mainly from The Thing. That's the one we're going to spotlight here, but you could just pick any, anything, any role. Anything at all. Uh, on our list of best voices in horror. So let's move up to number three. This is one, well, we can't just pick one because if we start naming his roles, we'd be here till next Tuesday. Uh, this is the great Christopher Lee
2: he brought me up the same way to reverence the music and the drama and the rituals of the old gods to love nature and to fear it and to rely on it and to appease it when necessary he brought me up he brought you up to be a pagan a heathen conceivably but
1: not i hope an unenlightened one why number 3 and number 2 this was this was neck and neck right oh, here man. it was it was a tough call because- christopher lee is just Oh, and
0: his not only his 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 presence as well because he's so tall. He was so tall. He was like right. six five yep. or something like yep. that. And then you throw that voice in because it really the way he looked. It would have been unfair if if uh, you know nature if God had given him a voice not to fit that stature. Yeah. Can you imagine if he walks into a room and then you're like.
1: Yeah, hi. Everybody.
0: <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> no, but no. The entire presence. He was. He was another just majestic figure.
1: Like he's just a bit of a saucy baritone. I a think. Bit. Yeah, and a and, bit. and and you know, and it's funny to me because s- some of his characters that are the most well-known. Dracula, he, as Dracula, he very rarely spoke. He had very few lines as the Dracula character. And then, of course, he was the monster, Frankenstein's monster Mm -hmm. with no lines, and you just think, what a I mean, I know he was a big dude, but still, that is an incredible waste. (laughs) But uh, the one that I think I love the most... I think it's my favorite performance of his and I think it's the when you just the joy of the way he says things is Wicker Man he's so you know he's so blasphemous and glorious all through that movie I love everything about his performance including the hair oh yeah
0: (laughs) which if we ever do a hair countdown because the way (laughs) the way it's quaffed and the way it blows in that wind is just perfect (laughs) just adds a little ring around his head it's great but he's another he's another classically trained singer let's take a listen yeah, so he could bring it yeah. S- singing as well. Yeah, um, And he was also, because of that voice, early on in his career, he dubbed foreign films into English and other languages going all the way back to the 50s. And sometimes he dubbed all the voices, including women's parts.
1: How odd. <laughs> How odd. But still, so I never want to have to watch a dubbed film. Yeah. I always prefer subtitles. Now I'm, I'm rethinking that. If I, could, if I could watch a film dubbed by Christopher Lee, I he, think I'd be all in.
0: Even one of his co-stars back then, Douglas Fairbanks Jr., recalled that uh, Lee could do any kind of accent. Foreign, domestic, north, south, middle, young, old, everything. Just a great character actor. Nice. So not only we talked about having the voice. And knowing how to use it, mm-hmm. man, if he could do that, yeah. Yeah, he would be in demand as even before his uh, his actual on screen on screen roles took off. Uh, but Christopher Lee, so many, mainly The Wicker Man. But that is funny that with that voice you choose not to use it. Yeah, that is. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, but it's you're very, right. I
1: mean, but you know, he also, you know, in The Lord of the Rings, which obviously not horror, but that he's just so menacing. He's so elegant and sinister at the same time, and it's so much of it is that voice.
0: Yeah, and didn't he, maybe he still does, um, didn't he hold the record for the mo like his films grossing the most money? Even though he wasn't the main star, I but think, he was in Star Wars. I think,
1: I think the record might be that he had the most films in the top ten grossing of all time okay. for a period, oh, right? Okay. Because that changes all the time, yeah. but because of but for a period because of the three Lord of the Rings films, and he was in the god-awful middle trilogy of right. the Star Wars movies that right. made a lot of money, and that uh, Tim Burton movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So right. it might have just been in a span of like a couple of years. Okay. He had more films in the top ten grossing movies than any other actor.
0: And I know he's up there near the top of just credits in general. Right. Hundreds. Yes. Hundreds of credits. The great and imposing Christopher Lee and his great voice, number three. On our list of fantastic voices. Moving up to number two, and we're going to single out, I think, probably from 1992, the original role of Candyman for Tony Todd. Be
2: my victim. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. Without these things, I am nothing. So now I must shed Innocent blood, come with me.
1: Why did Tony Todd get the nod? Why did he make it number two and number not number three? I have such a crush on Tony Todd. <laughs> and, it, and it's his voice. That's what does uh, it. That's what does it. Well, he's also got an incredible presence. Yes, he does. An
0: incredible presence on screen. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that he is part of the new one. Right? He's credited on IMDb now. <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to keep secret or whatever, but... Um, very much looking forward to that movie and looking forward to see how they work him in.
1: You know what? I just want to give credit to, I just watched, we just saw a few weeks ago, a movie that's out right now uh, on demand, you could get, called Immortal. And uh, it's really a series of vignettes, not all of them horror, some of them horror, about people who realize quite suddenly that they can't die. Mm-hmm. And um, and he, it is his most tender and beautiful and heartbreaking performance I've ever seen. He's just magnificent. And it's funny because I think that that's something that he does bring to other performances where you know uh, Christopher Lee or or Keith David or William Marshall, they have a certain presence that's very intimidating. Whereas I feel like I feel like Tony Todd, there is underneath that a a tenderness. Oh yes, a vulnerability to yep.
0: his characters
1: that gives them an extra dimension. I think
0: that's exactly right, and much like we were talking about with William Marshall and and blackula to the original Candyman, tony todd brought very specific set of ideas about the backstory that his character should have and we uh, had a clip of him talking about that
2: i wanted to really emphasize the fact that he was a painter and and a shoesmith and and that's why the love was unrequited that was very important to me and i got to even tell more of that in the second one which is what we're here discussing i wanted you know, I, I insisted that we do scenes of him in his former life. Now, there are a lot of fans that don't get that, but the ones that are intelligent do. It's a gothic love story at its core.
0: Yeah, if you're a long time listener, we did use that clip again when we talked about when we had the podcast on the best black characters in horror. But that's another case of where his input greatly improved the entire film
1: experience. That backstory is great. Oh, it is. But the other thing, the other thing, you know, because famously. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be Eddie Murphy. And while he, especially in, uh, in 1992, might have been uh, a better-looking man, he certainly wasn't the physical presence of no. Tony Todd. But that voice, forget it, forget it. Yeah. That's really what, in the, in the parking lot, the first time you hear his voice... That's the clip I just right? played, yeah. And you're like, oh, oh, wait a minute, hold the phone. <laughs> I might let you kill me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And she, and she brings that, that exactly that same yeah, kind of reaction. Yeah, you're just sort yeah. of,
1: it's, it's almost, you know, um, intoxicating, that, just that voice.
0: You know, Eddie Murphy's great, but I can't see that at all.
1: Well, then, a few years later, a vampire in Brooklyn proved that he really should not that's be playing a I vampire. Can't no. see right. at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's fantastic
0: what he brought to the role for his ideas of, of the role, and then the presence. And then, yeah, that's another case where the presence that he had, once he did open his mouth. Oh, it yeah. had to be something like that. Yes,
1: I agree it with you. It had to
0: be seductive and just and dripping with that uh, that invitation. Yeah. Yeah, and he nailed it. So, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to the new Candyman. Yes. <laughs> we'll see uh, how he's involved, but that's very cool. Tony Todd, the great Tony Todd from Candyman uh, and many others, the second, number two in our countdown of best voices in horror. And that takes us up to number one, just, man, just iconic Unforgettable in so many ways, Mercedes McCambridge, the demon from The Exorcist.
3: And I'm the devil. Now kindly undo these straps. What an excellent day for an exorcism. How long are you planning to stay in me? Until she rots and lies stinking in the earth.
1: How scary is she? Man, that's just a little clip
0: there of kind of a mashup of her greatest hits. And what's interesting is you can also find uh, on, on YouTube clips of Linda Blair just saying it as they were filming it before uh-huh. it was dubbed. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, you're not going to have Linda Blair at the time when she was a little kid sounding like a demon, but it just shows you the difference that that voice made. Oh. She was just, just incredible. And I also found a clip of her talking about her approach and uh, her ideas of what she could do to get her voice even more sinister
3: Uh, The Demon and the Exorcist the film is a 100% radio performance Mm -hmm. because you never see me all you do is hear me and yet through the vocal apparatus uh, I made people throw up and, and pass out and faint and all that silly stuff but it was interesting to pull it off in a film because it was really radio and it's uh, you know you uh, I've done this before on a microphone since the film but I wondered how I could convey through sound an impression of the demon breathing in the book Bill Blatty describes very uh, colorfully uh, the horror of the sound that the two exorcists feel when they are outside the closed door of the room and they are still aware of the breathing going on inside of the demon inside the little girl well, how are you gonna make that sound? well, I finally came up with something that worked and it's what's on the soundtrack when I was little I had bronchitis, I've had it all my life and uh, I wheezed and do wheeze when I get into attack of it So really what you hear with the demon, let me do it for you now. When the demon breathes, this is what you hear. And all it is is bronchitis. (laughs) Well, that wouldn't mean anything in front of a camera Mm -hmm. or out there on that stage. Mm -hmm. But in radio, you can do so many things, so many, many things. If you risk the amount of imagination you have and trust the amount of imagination of the of the listener,
0: and that clip is also interesting because a lot of people might not realize what she sounded like in real life. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Al- I mean, although she- you
0: do see her movies pop up for a while, I couldn't turn on the TV without seeing Johnny Guitar. Johnny Guitar was always on some for some reason. I don't know why. And she's in that. And then, of course, she was. She, gosh, she was. She won an Oscar for. Um, all the King's Men, and she was nominated for Giant. So she had an incredible career right. outside of The Exorcist, but then what a choice for that voice.
1: Yeah, and it's such a funny thing because, uh, as you said, you wouldn't have guessed, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, what she went through to make her voice sound that way, but she really does sound like she's speaking at, you know, and it doesn't sound strange. She doesn't sound like she's doing it. She just sounds right. like she's talking to you from hell.
0: <laughs> well, as she said in the clip there, a lot of it is. Kind of a a blessing in disguise that she suffered with bronchitis all of her life. So she started where she could summon up that—that's a base for it. And then she talked about smoking and drinking and all this other stuff. And it (laughs) just—you know—it just sounded like she gargled with broken glass or something like that. But it definitely sounds like a voice from another world. And I also found a clip of, of William Friedkin talking about it.
3: She said, "I should swallow raw eggs. I should smoke cigarettes constantly. And." you got to give me some booze, which is going to make me nuts, and I'm getting off the wagon to do this, so I want my priest around to counsel me. The most curious things would happen in her throat. Double and triple sounds would emerge at once. Wheezing sounds, very much akin to what you could imagine a person inhabited by various demons would sound like. Basically, she performed it under great duress and i was like stunned at what she put herself and allowed me to put her through in order to
0: accomplish this she was not originally credited for the voice work on the print of the movie which is like what how can you not and then she made an appeal to the Screen Actors Guild, and uh, a new print was made with her name on it because oh my yes, right? What, what well, it's a lot a like contribution. So
1: another voice, another voice that we need to mention, right? Boris Karloff, mm. and that his oh. voice doesn't doesn't get it mentioned in the Grinch, the original Grinch story cartoon. They didn't put his name on there, which is insane because that's the whole part of it that makes it so much fun to hear.
0: Yeah, because Exorcist has plenty of visual frights. Yes, but just hearing that, even if you closed your eyes, oh and, my god, in that opening the first time that Father Karras meets her and they're just casually talking just the way she says before she even raises her voice and gets real scary just the way she says something like intensely. Oh ah! yeah.
1: And I think casual is a great word for it because she doesn't seem like she's trying to mm. frighten anybody. She knows who she is. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, she had a like we said she had a long illustrious career and speaking of I found this story funny. Speaking of the movie Johnny Guitar which was in the 50s that was uh It was uh, Sterling Hayden and Joan Crawford. And she got into big fights with Joan Crawford, which is hilarious. We always hear about Joan Crawford and Betty Davis. Davis. Well, Mercedes McCambridge said they fought on and off the stage. She says one night in a drunken rage, Joan Crawford scattered all of her costumes along an Arizona highway. (laughs) And they had to go and pick them up. (laughs) And she was only, I think Mercedes McCambridge was like five foot two. Oh, wow. Or something like that. So that, that would have been great to have them going at each other. Joan Crawford didn't really play any favorites, I guess. we're gonna You're going to co-star with me? I'm going to fight you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, what, the, the voice, when I was thinking about this list, I mean, that was number one. immediately. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Immediately. And it's, it's funny to think back then, too, in the 70s, they can do so many more things with voices now artificially yeah. than they could then.
1: Mm-hmm. And you didn't need it. No. You didn't need You it. just needed some booze and some cigarettes. <laughs> some bronchitis. Some bronchitis. Man,
0: just, just incredible. And uh, it's funny, they just, last, yeah, last Friday, when we were didn't doing our TV gig, and it was the Friday before Halloween, which was Saturday, and uh, the host asked us which was our favorite horror movie. Mm-hmm. And it's still mine. I think The Exorcist is still mine. Yeah, I mean, there are so many great ones, but it's just my go-to because it's another one where I'm always going to stop Unlike Johnny Guitar, when I'm flipping, I'm, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna not keep flipping. And it, God, it's so, it's so powerful, especially that director's cut. So, um, The Exorcist, Mercedes McCambridge, know that name, learn it. Number one on our list of voices in horror. So, if you think there's any that we're missing. We would love to hear about it. We would, yeah. We'll be happy to uh, do a mea culpa." No one will slide in, probably at number one. No one will probably crack the top five. Really, these are pretty ironclad. Yeah, I would think. But there's some runners up that we missed. Let us have it. Let us have it. You can find us uh, at Twitter. That's easiest. Fright Club Pod is where we hang, and also on Facebook and Instagram. It is Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website. Is MadWolf.com. So we talked about not knowing if we're going to get back in front of a live audience, but if we don't, we'll do another StreamYard coming up. So uh, what else is in the CODs?
1: We have a podcast coming up with Man for the Future, Corey Metcalf, and we're going to talk about planners, psychotic planners. Psychotic planners. Yes. Is that, Is that like part of a trapper keeper? <laughs> we used to get back in it's the day. It's a new line, yeah. <laughs> do they still make those? Trapper keepers? I have no idea, George. Right. Oh, you know what? We always have to go back and forth if we know if we're going to be live or not live, because the live events include a film. Oh, yeah. Uh, But if it's not, I'm thinking about, as a substitute for the live event, maybe, again, in your honor, motorcycles. Motorcycle movies. What do you think? I'm touched by all this attention. I I like it. And what am I forgetting? Thank Andrew from the Freaks and Psychos podcast. Oh, yeah. Big shout out. He did. So that podcast, which is about... um, Disabilities in Horror, and yeah. you should check it out. They're they're very thoughtful, really really detailed, very yeah. intelligent, deep conversations yep. about disabilities representation in horror films. And the, the episode two was all about the film Todd Browning's film Freaks, which of course we've talked about many many times mm-hmm. on this show. And we got a lovely shout out, and he he discusses the podcast, our podcast, and talks a little bit about what you can expect if you're a listener. So I, I appreciate that, and and I really um, for especially like really hardcore sort of students of the genre, I recommend that you check out uh, Freaks and Psychos podcast.
0: Yeah, and in in knowing him and talking to him, as we did, have done at Fright Clubs and also at Nightmares Film Festival, that doesn't surprise me at all. He's yeah. a
1: scholar himself, and yeah. so that is the kind of attention to detail and depth that he, and guests, he had, yeah. he had guests at times as well, bring bring to the conversation. It's fascinating. Yeah, so
0: thanks for the shout-out. Appreciate that. All right, so let us know what we missed, if anything, on The Voices, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you there, and look forward to future Fright Club podcasts, whether live or in the studio or doing the Stream Yard. It's all good. It's all frightful. So keep in touch if you can. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Hi, this is Ruckus Sky. And Lane Sky. We're the writer and directors of The yeah. Devil to Pay. Stay frightful, my friend.